that you and the cold have to make some sort of contract with each other and decide how you're going to negotiate that contract with your fingers and your toes and for me my, my butt actually is what really gets affected is my poor behind you know um, because I've done the food before I've done you know the packing before I've you know slept out in the snow before and all this stuff but there's this relationship with the snow the ice and the cold water that you you need to negotiate you know and that's just kind of what I've been working on Welcome to season two of a podcast to save the Boundary Waters. I'm Matthew Baxley. I'm Megan Wynn. And I'm Madeline Fonline. We have just entered the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness of a winter wilderness camping trip. It's been great, you know, a little chilly, a little windy, but um, we found a really beautiful campsite. Nice protection from the wind, so I'd say the stoke is high. There's been plenty of really pretty trees and just good terrain to be hiking across today, uh, and I've had an absolute good time as my maiden voyage out winter camping in Minnesota. As you can hear, the chickadees are chirping. Uh, The thermometer read 6 degrees when we got to the trailhead the winds are blowing at probably a steady 15 miles per hour uh, and it is snowing and it's the kind of snow and wind that makes visibility super limited and it adds this really cool dimensionality to the wilderness where the closest point is clear and then they just fade into the distance as each ridge line gets further and further away and it really makes the landscape feel big Coming out of season one of this podcast, I think the big takeaway for all of us is that uh, when it comes to showing love to the wilderness, to the boundary waters, that the most effective we can do is to do the things we love in service to protection. And we're out here to do something we all love, which is be in the wilderness and to interview guests who have unique and powerful relationships with the wilderness, whose lives have been changed by the wilderness, and to do it all in this beautiful winter backdrop. So you can look ahead to some updates from the campaign uh, and lots of great stories. I am Emily Ford. I am 29 years old. I live in Duluth, Minnesota with my lovely partner and our two dogs, one of which is an Alaskan Husky. Google it because they probably don't look like what you think they look like. And our Catahoula, Zulu. Oh, our husky's name is Diggins. Named after Jesse Diggins, of course. I think those are the most important things to me, at least right now. So I think that's what I mostly want people to know about me. Other things, though, is outside of being an avid winter enthusiast uh, in, for nine months out of the year, I'm a gardener. I get to play in the dirt for 12 hours a day because the sun hangs out for for literally forever and I love it. I think I live a pretty cool life. My dog Diggins and I, we're going to ski across the boundary waters using waterways and portages along what a lot of people know as the Voyager's Highway and uh, we're going to start in Crane Lake out west and then we're going to end hopefully at Lake Superior if the Pigeon River is frozen and friendly. Uh, it would be a little over 200 miles, 
and I think a little over a month it'll take us. Um, so I'll be skiing, Diggins will be pulling, and I will be pulling the polk, which is just a sled behind us. No hot tent, <laughs> just a regular old tent. Um, Pretty sweet tent though. Very nice, yeah, very nice tent. I'm super excited about that. And uh, yeah, just the two of us. My name is Katie Mum. I am a wildlife photographer located in Graham Ray, Minnesota. So I moved uh, to the Gunfun Trail and it was January of 2017. So I moved up in the winter. I went out of the bearskin road and turned right and just drove until I couldn't drive anymore. And I was like, this place is insane. There's just like all these lodges that are, you know, on the edge of the wilderness and, um, all these entry points are just right here on the Gunflin Trail. And I was living right on the edge of this incredible wilderness um, that these people come and visit. And I got to live right there. And I think that's kind of when I realized was just like where I was really living and how cool it was. Um, and then, of course, I got to meet people and find a community. Um, and then my photography kind of blossomed and I never left. Hello, my name is Michelle Kwan from Minneapolis, Minnesota, co-owner of Kiefer Court Bakery and Cafe in South Minneapolis. I am a fanatic of the Boundary Waters, the beauty and the magic it provides is very healing and I love the place and would love to introduce it to more of my friends and family. To me, nature is therapy, like to be out there with your own thoughts and um, you know, there's nothing to distract you, you know, when you're, I live in the cities and so there's just constant noise and lights just like distracting you and pulling your attention left and right. When you're out there, it's like everything is still. You know, in the beginning, when you first go into the Boundary Waters or someplace like it in the winter, it can be a little bit intimidating um, because it can be very cold. Um, you, you generally have the wilderness to yourself. There's not really anybody else out there. But one of the nice things about the winter is that you can find solitude right on the edge of the wilderness. So I would say if you're a little bit intimidated, um, consider, you know, going slow. I just know that we're going to places where not a lot of people go, even Boundary Waters people. It's like not a lot of souls go in there in the winter. And if they do, it's like maybe one lake in just to go, you know, fishing. And then they're like, okay, we're done. We're coming back out. But they're out there for an entire month. And um, and so just like being out there and, and feeling confident that like, okay, I have everything I need. I'm prepared. I have my map. I know which way I'm going. The worst that can happen is maybe I get a little bit lost. I'll ski a little bit further. Um, and if not, I brought a tarp. I'll be ready to camp on a portage. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But, you know, what, you know, as long as I'm prepared and I have my layers, I felt very confident about being out there. And like I said, just the peace that it brings to be out in the nature, because it's not something that we get to surround ourselves with very much on our day-to-day -day lives. And so getting that privilege to be out there and being surrounded by that and seeing untouched land that way just, you know, brings peace to me. I am joined here at our campsite by another weary traveler, Eric Dickus. 
This is the first trip out in the winter, and this is quite different than the summer trips, for sure. I see snowflakes everywhere, light little mist of snowflakes. The sun shining through the, the clouds that are kind of there. You can barely see them. You see all the white pines, the firs, and a beautiful little cove that looks like a little snowy river going down it. I love it. It's beautiful. Real slushy, about fell in a little bit ago, but Matthew saved me. I think you saved yourself, buddy. Yeah, it was good. I'm there for moral support. No, this is beautiful, though. No. And this is what I had pictured in my mind for my first winter trip. Be something tough, be something hard, and this is perfect so far. Just what I wanted. Oh, man, I came out here to go ice fishing with you guys and Joe and Matthew and uh, just nailed a monster lake trout. Killed it. It was awesome. Lots of fight. Probably took like, what, three minutes. Get it. For three to four minutes, I think. Or time was going fast, but it was awesome. I came up here to go fishing and, and uh, get a lake trout, hike in, experience the boundary waters out here. And I did it. I did it. My trip is complete so far. It's only going to get better. I feel at peace. I do. My heart's pumping, but I feel a nice... <sighs> My heart's pumping, really, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm stoked. Super stoked. Like this, this is a dream to be up here with you guys, especially. That's the best thing, you know. That's what makes me. I could be there myself and it would not be that special because I'd be looking at myself taking selfies with this fish and be nothing. But now, when we're here with you guys, you guys are sharing my excitement. I'm watching steam roll off Joe's head and uh, I'm shaking still because my hands are wet and just caught this monster laker and we're, we're gonna eat it speaking of uh we've been joined by a special friend of mine who i'm very grateful to come out here and help eric and i catch some lake trout it's the uh, one and only joe fredericks it was pure chance that we got this depth in this spot exactly right off this point had a general idea that this was where we wanted to be. But there's so much snow and work involved with getting the house set up. It was just a chance of, I hope this is right because I wanted Eric to experience what he just did. So shoveled it out, dug the holes, did it blindly, meaning we didn't know exactly how deep it was underneath us, which is critical. Happened to be exactly right on this shelf where it drops from. Those holes are 17, 18, 19, 23, just in a matter of a few feet. Caught a fish after 30 seconds. Eric's now caught two beautiful lake trout. And to see somebody come, put in the effort to come, who's fascinated by winter in the boundary waters, makes the journey from Omaha, Nebraska to here and then the experience delivers. Walk through a blizzard, drive up the gunplint trail in whiteout conditions at about 30 miles an hour, walk across the lakes that are frozen. Breaking trail, pushing and, through snow. And, and Eric making the reference of, I feel like I am should be canoeing, it looks the same. And I used to think about that, and I haven't thought about that in a long time. Like, 
when I first started ice fishing in the Boundary Waters, I used to always think about how the experience was similar to canoeing but different. And I've stopped thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And Eric had that exact feeling today, and it brought me right back. It was wonderful. The way that when you start to experience the winter, you're always referencing it to your summer experiences. Yes. Until it eventually just becomes part of it all. Yes, it was wonderful. It's so great to have the just the renewed enthusiasm because I've just been on this lake last weekend and had such a great time. But my energy, my enthusiasm is renewed. My spirit is renewed by having Eric here and, and living through him on this now, basically. This is so incredible out here. Yeah, that sled's heavy, too. Like I thought <laughs> that right away when I was cruising. I'm like, okay, I'm looking off into the distance way far away and I was I thought about that like I could be canoeing and be a lot less weight <clears throat> but I figured Joe was doing it and Joe's a beast he's like moving this sled like it's nothing and I couldn't let Joe beat me so I had to keep up I had to try to keep up I even switched sleds with him at the portage gave him the heavy sled and he still was beating me so mm-hmm. this is great I love it up here you guys are great for letting me experience this with you guys you're great been working hard have camp set up so now that we're a little toasty and comfortable let's get into some updates since last season at the end of last season we had just announced that there was a 90-day comment period that would be submitted to the bureau of land management to get support for a 20-year mining ban at the end of that comment period we ended up raising 250,000 comments And while that was happening, we also had a 30-day comment period to the Minnesota DNR, which is kind of crazy to have two comment periods going at once. But we did it, and we raised a lot of voices to support protection for the Boundary Waters. The Department of the Interior also canceled Twin Metals' two federal mineral leases. This essentially pauses the project for Twin Metals because they need those two leases. Since that happened, the DNR decided that they will no longer consider the Twin Metals project, also voicing concern about the tailings basin on school trust lands along Birch Lake near the Boundary Waters. So are you saying that all that work that we were doing in Season 1, talking about that mine site, talking about public support, paid off? Absolutely. Yes, all that work paid off. We were able to get a lot of people involved in the public process, and we were able to influence uh, decision-making at the state level and at the federal level. So a lot of people joined this work for this place that we're sitting in right now. Maddie, what were you doing during all of that? Because you weren't with us. During those two comment periods, I was working as an organizer for the campaign really doing the the behind-the-scenes in spreading the word out to people so they knew that they needed to submit a comment if they would like to weigh in on this issue. The organizers at the Campaign to Save the Boundary Waters do a lot of great work to get people involved on the ground. You know, there's a lot of work that goes on in the digital space and on social media. For example, (laughs) we ended up raising a bunch of comments from TikTok of all places. We had no idea that that was going to be so successful, but Reaching out to people in new digital spaces is also a critical part of getting people involved. There's so many new things happening. New digital spaces on TikTok, new efforts 
to protect the wilderness. And there's so many people getting involved. And the reality is that all these people who are getting involved are all people that love this place and are invested in it. And that is so cool. Yeah, that's totally true, Matthew. And honestly, some of these people might not have even been to the Boundary Waters before, but they just love wilderness. They love northern Minnesota. Uh, They care about wild places. So even if you've never been to the Boundary Waters before, you can get involved in these processes as well. Now let's get back to where we are right now, actually in the wilderness and in the winter. We're going to be joined out here in the wilderness by a lot of really cool folks and hear a lot of really neat voices. And just within our group of people here, we're doing some hot camping. We're doing some cold camping. Megan, tell us a quick overview of what your setup is. Yeah, so I'm cold camping on this trip. Um, Essentially just a tarp on the ground, two sleeping pads, a negative 20 degree sleeping bag, and then a tarp overhead, and it's pretty much it. And we are hot camping where we are in a nice canvas tent that has a wood stove and my sleep setup is a little bit, uh, is rated a little bit warmer than Megan's is. I have two sleeping bags rated to zero degree and two sleeping pads underneath me to help insulate from the ground. We're going to be testing out all these setups as we hear from all these different voices. What's certainly obvious to me is that within this effort to protect the wilderness, within this larger wilderness community, there are all these varying ways that people experience the wilderness and fall in love with it. And there is all these different ways that protecting the wilderness matters. We talked so much last season about the the issues around mining and the Rainy River watershed and the threats there. But as that fight continues, it's not like this place just is good and no longer needs protection. It's an ongoing experience. So we're going to be talking about the different ways that we continue to work to protect this place and also the different ways we continue to get out and enjoy this place, whether that's day trips, first time trips for a lot of people, epics. And I would say that this is an epic But for some people, this is a pretty chill trip. But I think everybody's at their new, their own level. This is maybe my eighth, ninth time winter camping out here. This is my first time winter camping in these conditions here in Minnesota. So this is my third winter camping trip, second time winter camping in the Boundary Waters, and first time camping, winter camping on a trip that doesn't have any guides. I've cold camped all three times which to me is really hardcore. And so that's the cool thing is everybody has their own edge that they may be pushing or their own kind of realm of comfort and their own desire to either stay within that comfort zone or push out of it. And right now as we sit in this hot tent, I'm pretty stoked to be in the realm of comfort by this wood stove as we transition to hearing more voices on this trip. packing a lot into the season to celebrate winter we're about to feast see some nice thick fillets of some lake trout 
and some tortillas and some good looking hash browns with grated cheese and some eggs in there too i think right it's all in there it's gonna be good who caught that lake trout i caught the big one joe caught a couple smaller ones we all caught them together i caught the big one though the reality of these trips is that without everybody doing their part none of this would be happening harvesting wood hauling gear how y'all feeling about eating this meal oh it looks divine it's making me hungry my mouth is watering <laughs> I am so looking forward to this meal right here. <laughs> big thanks to the fishing guru, Joe Fredericks, for joining us on this. And big thanks to Eric for putting in all that time over the auger holes. Let's see some lake trout and eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.